One opportunity for Davies shot blocked down rebound score. Alexander Barkov now all alone atop the Florida Panthers all-time goal scoring list. That's career goal number 189. Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now here's your host, Brunswick. <laughs> What a week, what a week, what a week. The show is Project Panthers. I am indeed your host, Brunswick. Welcome back to another episode of the only solo Florida Panthers podcast on the World Wide Web. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you found us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform out there on the internet. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Proj Panthers, that's P-R-O-J Panthers, and on Instagram and Facebook by searching Project Panthers and Project Panthers pod. The Panthers are no longer undefeated, and actually, they're they're slumping a bit, a bit. At least they were. Interim head coach Andrew Burnett has had the team for a couple of weeks now, and, well, the results are mixed at best. Is he to blame, or is there a deeper-rooted problem with this team that we've been ignoring for, you know, the better part of this hot start? Current Panthers records at 11-2-3, still good for first in the Atlantic Division, but the suddenly hot Toronto Maple Leafs are right on their heels, and Captain Alexander Barkov may be out for an extended period of time. Say it ain't so, say it ain't so, but let's just see how we got there. Game 10 of the season saw the Cats back home to face the 5-1-3 Washington Capitals with the red-hot Alexander Ovechkin coming into this game with nine goals in his first nine games as he continues to chase down the great one, Wayne Gretzky's all-time NHL record for goals scored by a player. Uh, Quite a few lineup changes for the Panthers in this one with Sam Bennett, uh, Radko Gudis, and Marcus Nubivara all out with injury. And Joe Thornton also still out. Sam Reinhardt is bumped to the second line with Jonathan Uberdo and Maxim Mammon subs in. Uh, he was called up from the AHL earlier this week, playing in his first NHL game since 2018, uh, since the 2018-19 season. He went over to the KHL for a couple of years and had some good seasons, sort of a la Evgeny Dadanov. Um, decided to give North America a shot again, so nice to see him back in the lineup. Antel Lundell also back in the lineup after missing a couple of games. And on the defensive side, um, Pembroke Pines, Florida native Chase Prisky made his NHL debut in this one. The first South Florida-born player to ever suit up for the Florida Panthers. Sergei Bobrovsky back in net after Spencer Knight took the loss on Saturday. Bob coming into this game 6-0-0, the best start of his career and the first Panthers goalie in history to start the season 6-0-0. Panthers got off to a nice start in this one. Just a couple of minutes in, Carter Verhage finds Barkov in the slot. Ilya Samsonov stops his his initial shot, but Anthony Duclair makes enough of a mess in front to allow El Capitano Alexander Barkov to get the puck. He moves to his back end and beats a sprawling Samsonov for the 1-0 Panthers lead. Peter LaViolette and his staff field Duclair did enough to interfere with their goaltender on this play, so they asked for a coach's challenge. League officials deem it a good goal, and Barkov officially has his fourth goal in three games. Capitals take the extra two-minute penalty for failing on, on the coach's challenge, but they manage to kill it off and keep the game at one nothing. This was a great effort by Duclair on this goal, though. Uh, to push his way to the front, John Carlson clearly had his arm out and forced him into Samsonov, but Duke was right there to make that play possible. Really great determination shown by him. A nose to the net. This guy's always had the nose to the net, even last year. Always driving, always pressuring the front of the net, so... Just more of that from Duclair is what we'd like to see. Capitals, they got some pressure of their own following the penalty, but uh, following the penalty kill. But Bob 
missed a couple of good saves before the 11-minute mark, 11 minute mark where a scramble in front leads to Carl Hagelin, weakly clearing the puck from his crease um, in his own zone. He ends up teeing it up to Aaron Ekblad for the big blast that goes off the upright and past Samsonov for the 2-0 lead. Ekblad's fourth goal of the season. He keeps putting his point, keeps up his point-per-game pace with his 10th point of the season. Anton Lindell, as mentioned earlier, was back in action and back to killing penalties at such a young age. Interim head coach Andrew Brunette picking up right where former coach Joel Quenville left off uh, and showing faith in the rookie to step up when called upon. Caps do a good job to set up their patented Ovechkin one-timer, but Bob is there to make the saves with his glove. Beautiful stops by Bob on this one. You know, that Ovechkin power play move is is a well-known move in the NHL. It's it's a one-timer on the off wing for Ovechkin. It's patented, but even though you know it's coming, it's still hard to stop. Stamkos over in Tampa Bay has a, a similar situation with his one-timer, but Ovechkin is the king of the one-timer slap shot, and Bob was there to meet it every time. The Capitals continued to press in this one after that failed power play, but, but again, Bobrovsky there to make the key saves. I, I can't forget, and I got to mention how well the team was in clearing rebounds in front of him at, this, at the start of this game. This was a huge issue last season that the, as of now they had approved upon. More on that later. Um, Panthers take the, sec- take the two-goal lead into the second period. But to start that second period, the aforementioned Bobrovsky is not in goal uh, Spencer Knight takes the net as there is a not a, much of a report about why Bob is in net, but we figure it's some sort of an injury. Capitals take no waste no time taking advantage, and they catch the Cats sleeping with Daniel Sprong getting wide open for a breakaway. And the first shot Knight faces is a breakaway that goes in. It's now 2-1, similar to the Phoenix game a couple of weeks ago where, uh, where Spencer Knight had the first shot after like 14 minutes. It was a breakaway. He gave it up. Can't fault him for that. That's what happens. It is what it is. Defensive breakdowns. It is what it is. Game opens up a bit after that five-minute mark, and the Panthers, they show some life after killing a very necessary Chase Prisky penalty. Kid gets on the score sheet for the first time in his career, even though it is just a penalty. Still, you know, when I play when I play hockey in my men's league, I, I feel like if I get a penalty, at least I factored into the game somehow. I hate if I don't even get anything. And listen, I don't intentionally go out there to get a penalty because I'm not an idiot, but... At least it feels like I had some sort of an impact in the game, even if it is a negative impact. Um, on the break, Maxim Mamani gets the puck on the net. It's steered away, but Mason Marchman, he gets it back to Gustav Forsling, who shoots it across the blue line to Brandon Montour, and he flicks a seeing-eye wrister into the far side of the net that beats Samsonov, restores the two-goal lead. Samsonov definitely wanted this one back, and it results in him getting pulled less than halfway through the game. Vitek Vanacek takes the goal for the second time in the night since he technically started the game as Samsonov had an equipment problem to start the game. Bit of a weird night for goalies in this one. Panthers get the power play, and it's uh, as it's closing out, Huberto finds Barkov wide open in the right circle. He one times at home, but wait, the refs call this no goal immediately. On the replay, we see Hornqvist skate make contact with Vanacek's it's a pretty obvious interference call. Unfortunately for the Cats, this was the right call by the Zebras. Can't fault him for that. But the Cats did manage to draw another power play later on. Onset power play. Ekblad gets the puck to the front of the net off the top of the blue line. After scrum in front, Barkov finds loose puck, scores his second of the night, seventh of the season, fifth goal in three games, and his 188th goal of his career, tying former Panther captain Ole Jokinen for the all-time Florida Panthers record for goals scored by a player. Barkov is a man possessed in this one. Um, with under two minutes to go, Alexander Ovechkin gets sprung in the Panthers zone. 
He uses Forsling as a decoy and just snipes it past Spencer Knight just under his glove. An absolute laser for his 10th goal in as many games. I mean, just a goal scorer scoring goals. That's what this guy does. Just makes it look easy. With under 20 seconds to go in the second period, though, Caps at the post, but the Panthers fail to recover. Ovechkin finds Carlson. He takes a shot, and Tom Wilson screening Spencer Knight in front. He gets a stick on it to tip it past him. Cuts the lead to one with just 16 seconds to go. Panthers getting outshot 31-25 to through two periods and suddenly not so in control of this game as the scoreline may have indicated 15 seconds prior. Um, Panthers do manage to hold on to the lead for the first six minutes of the third and actually dictate most of the play. They came out pretty hungry in this third period, really uh, wanting to add their lead and, and pad their lead and, and sort of lock down that lead. But uh, the Caps, they, they don't give up, and they, they get a very fortuitous bounce after Ovechkin throws the puck in front. It floats over the Panthers' net, so he tosses it in front of the net from behind the net. It tosses It floats over the Panthers' net in what could only be accounted to a slow-motion movie scene type sequence everyone loses sight of it Connor McMichael does not he turns around whips a shot past Spencer Knight for his first career NHL goal this ties the game at fours Caps kept pressing after that fourth goal but the Panthers they managed to survive the pressure and get some chances of their own before the game finally moves to the overtime period in the extra frame Panthers dominate possession for the majority of the extra frame but um, Caps do play uh, an unusual little strategy here. They kept Ovechkin on the bench at the beginning until they got possession, but they never actually got possession. So not too sure what Laviolette was trying to do there. Don't think it worked because um, forcing he breaks into the zone. He leaves it for Etu Luostarinen. He uh, throws it in front to Frankie Vitrano, but Tom Wilson on the back check actually pokes at it, and it just so happens to deflect off his stick past Vanacek for the OT winner. Etu gets the credit for it, his first OT winner of his career and already his third goal of the season. Panthers win and move to 9-0-1 to start the season, staying undefeated in regulation. Main takeaways from this one, Patrick Hornquist was very visible tonight. With Bennett and Gudis out of the lineup, he really stepped up his game in that agitator role, that physical presence, that annoying little, like, you know, gets under your skin role. He was getting under the cap skin all night, mouthing off with Ovechkin at the end of the second period. I mean, even though Ovi had a good night, it didn't necessarily knock him off his game. Not much does, but you love to see that kind of passion from a vet like Hornquist. It's one of the reasons he was brought to this team because they had a lack of that, and he stepped up big in in this one with that. The forecheck in this game was also a real X X factor for the Panthers. They were dominant in the cap zone and relentless. The Caps don't have the fastest-moving defense, and the Panthers worked that. Despite having some gaps in their own zone and some bad luck, they managed to get the win in OT thanks in part to that extensive forecheck. Um, Game 11 versus the Hurricanes. Uh, this kind of felt like destiny up until the Bruins game last week. Sure seemed for a second like both these teams would stay undefeated until their meeting on Saturday night. Well, one team held up their end of the bargain as the Hurricanes came into sunrise with a perfect 9-0-0 record and looking to move to double-digit victories without a single loss on their record. Spencer Knight back in net for this one as Bobrovsky still ailing from that injury that took him out of the Capitals game. Big news ahead of this one was actually that Alexander Barkov would miss this game with an undisclosed upper body injury. You know, Cats Nation was caught, hoping there was nothing serious. It wasn't, thankfully, but they were without the captain in this game. Arguably the biggest game of the season to date. I know that's weird to say. Less about 10 games in the season. But, you know, this... At, I mean, at this time, it felt like this could be an Eastern Conference matchup. Eastern Conference final matchup. I don't know about that anymore. My faith has dwindled over time. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
This game uh, starts about as well as you could want from a Panthers perspective. Jacob Slavin takes a two-minute tripping call just 30 seconds, 37 seconds into the game. And as the power play is about to expire, Cardi V finds Anthony Duclair across the ice. Duclair takes a second to settle the puck, and he rips it over Freddie Anderson's glove with a one nothing lead in less than three minutes into the game. Real nice wrister here by Duclair. He's, I feel like he's usually making nice little plays in front of the net, but this was, a, again, like Ovechkin in the last game, a goal scorer's goal, just ripping it top cheese. Um, after this goal, the teams were really just kind of feeling each other out. There's not a lot of speed throughout the neutral zone and lots of safe plays. Trying to, tr- Both teams were trying more not to make a mistake than to create one. Panthers, they come a, a bit alive throughout the uh, middle of the first period, and they do get rewarded for it on their second power play. The second unit once again gets it done. This time, Frank Vetrano stands at the top of the right circle, takes a sweet little pass from Brandon Montour, and rips it home for just his second goal of the season and the second power play marker of the game for the Panthers. Just, uh, just a few minutes later after that, though, Canes make a very sloppy play on their own boards, trying to clear puck. It makes its way back down behind the net to Owen Tippett. He flips it in front to Anton Lundell, Anton Lundell, and he makes a great little heads-up play, shows some incredible patience, and outweights the keeper and the Canes defenseman to bury his third career NHL goal and the 3 nothing Panthers lead. And the Cats, they still weren't done in this one, folks. They still weren't done. Just two and a half minutes later, The Panthers on another power play in this first period. This one was a beauty. Duclair, he finds Reinhardt on the side of the net. He makes a tap pass to a wide-open Patty Hornquist on the other side of the net, and he finishes off the tic-tac-toe play for the 4-0 Panthers lead in the first period against the only remaining undefeated team in the league. The Duke, sitting at three points in the first 20 minutes of the game, could not have asked for a better start. Could not. Second period was a lot messier, though. It seemed like the refs were trying their best to uh, get the game um, sort of in hand and give the Canes a shot. Canes managed to cut the lead to three on a Jesper Fast goal that was a result of some weak coverage down low from Mackenzie Weger and Aaron Ekblad. Both guys lost their man twice on this play, if you watch the replay. And it resulted in Fast having space to one-time the Slavin pass into the back of the net. Just a few minutes later, there was a bit of a controversy that hit this game. Loose puck makes its way down the ice, and there's a race. Ryan Lomberg clearly gets a step on his man, but Antti Ranta, he's got a different idea. Goaltender decides to venture out of his net in hopes of beating the speedy Lomberg to the puck. Not a good idea. Lomberg is pretty fast. Well, as expected, Ranta does not, and the two collide. They collide hard. Completely incidental contact, though. Ranta came out having to know what the consequences to be would be. You don't jump out of your crease 20 feet and expect immunity. That's not how it works on a hockey rink. From the replay, you could tell Ryan Lomberg noticed Ranta at the last second, and it appears that he tries to let up that contact, let up a bit as contact was made. He, he sort of put his arms up to brace himself. Obviously, Ranta took the worst of it because he had much less speed and momentum than Lomberg. The refs decided to give Lomberg a five-minute major for this and a game misconduct. Yeah, I I don't see in what world this is a five-minute major penalty. Goalies aren't immune to contact when they leave their crease. They Their crease exists for a reason and is there to be a safe space for goaltenders. Stay there if you want to stay safe. Once you go out into no man's land, there's an added risk that you need to be aware of. And it's different when a goalie goes behind the net to play a puck and a player comes behind the net and just drops him. But this was Ranta running out or skating out on a 
play that was obviously had a lot of momentum coming towards his way, and he chose to take the hit. He's still out with injury to this day. This is almost two weeks later. So not a great play by him, not a great move. Um, hopefully he recovers, don't want a guy injured, but not smart. The call went his way, though. Kane took the take advantage of the five-minute five power play. Uh, when everyone's favorite former Panther, Vincent Trocek, he taps the puck into the gaping net off a bow, bow, bad bounce off the end boards. But uh, the third period goes most mostly without incident before Anthony Duclair ices the game with an empty netter, his fourth point of the night, sealing the Cavs' victory. Tony Angelo, Tony D'Angelo got a 10-minute misconduct after this goal for leaving the bench because of, of course he did. Because like, but thankfully it was it was just him leaving the bench and not something far worse. Because we all know Tony D'Angelo and oh, what he's capable of. <laughs> not great. Uh, regardless, though, Cats win five two with a dominant performance over the last team to lose a game. Thanks to the Panthers, five two victory. Main takeaway in this one: fun. My main takeaway in this game is the word fun. In the post game interviews, the main word you would have heard from everyone's mouth was also fun. How much fun everyone is having playing on this team and performing the way they are. Duclair was grinning from ear to ear as as was Spencer Knight. All these guys are really enjoying themselves. And honestly, as a player, there are few better feelings than when your whole team is winning. Guys are playing well and everyone is in good spirits. It's a special feeling. Go watch Duke's postgame presser from this one and you'll immediately know what I'm talking about. Uh, Game 12 for the Panthers on the season in New York, the Big Apple, to take on the New York Rangers. Um, Barkov back in the lineup after sitting out the victory over the Hurricanes on Saturday. Bennett and Thornton still out with injuries, so Anton Lindell centers Jonathan Uberdo and Owen Tippett on the second line, while Reinhardt pivots to the third line between Frank Vitrano and Maxi Mammon. Spencer Knight still in goal as Bob continues to recover from his injury. Panthers get the first quality scoring chance in the second line when the second line gets down the ice in a hurry. And a tic-tac-toe play finds Owen Tippett on the side of the net, but Igor Shesterkin is there and big in the net to make the stop to keep the game scoreless. Shesterkin is a he is a phenomenal goaltender. And this this game really highlighted just how blessed the Rangers are with this great young goaltender. Cats are doing a good job of pressuring the Rangers on the forecheck and they get rewarded with the power play. Florida suddenly has the eighth best power play in the league. Uh, after the three power play goals against the Canes on Saturday, I guess that's kind of what happens. Still, it seems very surprising to me because it doesn't look like their power play is the eighth best power play in the league, but they're getting it done despite looking a little bit sloppy. It is what it is, right? That sloppiness continues, though, on this man advantage, and the Rangers get two of the best chances before Barkov sets up a sets up a beautiful little play to Huberto, but the cap... Sorry, the, Barkov is set up by Huberto on a beautiful play, but unfortunately, Barkov rips it wide. Carter Verhage takes a high stick penalty that negates the rest of the power play, and we get to see the Panthers' seventh-ranked penalty kill. I can't stress this enough about special teams going into this game. If Florida could continue to be a top ten team in both PK and power play, then they'd be sitting setting themselves up for success in the playoffs real well. But they're not so lucky in this one as, uh, as in this time as the Rangers. They get set up, the puck gets to the net, and Chris Kreider. Bangs it home on a scramble in front. one nothing Rangers. Panthers come back with a ton of pressure, but nothing to show for it. They dictate the majority of play after the first goal by the Blue Shirts, but Shesterkin makes a couple of acrobatic saves, and the Rangers defense does a solid job of keeping the cast to the outside, forcing low-danger shots, and making the Panthers work for every single inch of the ice. Cats get a power play late in the first, but once again, 
The Rangers get the best chance on it. This time it's Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox walking in all alone, and he beats Spencer Knight on the back end. 2-0 Rangers with five seconds left in the first. Cats really struggling with the special teams on this one. Never mind what I said earlier, literally a minute ago. That's the old jinx provided by your boy Brunswick. Just wonderful. Cats get nothing from the early power play in the second. They continue to lay it on to Sturskin, but he is there to make save after save after save after save after save after save just in time for the Panthers' defense to completely collapse in on itself. Capo Caco makes a nice move after a pass from Artemi Panarin to get around a still-standing Aaron Ekblad. He finds Panarin on the other side of the goal who buries it into the empty net. 3 nothing Rangers, or is it? Andrew Burnett and his staff elect to challenge this goal, and the officials deem that they're challenging. the challenge is successful. The Rangers do indeed get called for goaltender interference. No goal, still 2-0 blue shirts, but that did not matter at all. At all. Because uh, former 22nd overall draft pick, Keandre Miller, picks up speed in his own zone. For, he used to play forward, now he plays defense. I don't think Mackenzie Weger knew that because he flies right past Weger who uh, I think he's still confused about how he got so spun around. Miller buries the top shelf for one of the nicest goals you'll see this year. Made Uyghur look absolutely silly and scores a gorgy goal. Beautiful, beautiful. I, listen, I give praise where I give praise. I'm a hockey fan. You know what I mean? This was a nice one. Floodgates have opened up, and just 30 seconds later, the Rangers get another odd man rush something like their ninth or 10th of the game at this point. I wasn't keeping count, but it sure felt like that. Uh, Panarin, he finds Ryan Strom wide open on the two-on-one, forcing a Knight to do what they can on the play, but they really have no chance. As Strom makes it 4-0 on his second goal of the season, period managed to, manages to somehow only end at 4-0, despite it It probably could have been like 6 or 7-0. Honestly, it could have been. Panthers, they came out with some purpose in the third uh, the third line comes out and gets a goal right away, just 20 seconds in. Etu Lewis-Starnin picks up a loose puck, scramble in front, and uh, backhands it past, down, past a down Shesterkin to cut the lead to three goals. Uh, Etu's second goal in as many games. Rest of the game, though, meant, went without much event. Panthers threw a lot at Shesterkin, but as I said, he was he was basically there every time. He made a lot of great saves, but the, the Panthers made the mistakes on defense, and that ended up costing them. Cats, they they made a push at the end, but it was a little too little too, little too late. With 86 seconds to go, Sam Reinhardt takes a puck from the slot, Owen Tippett, from Owen Tippett, and rips it over the glove of Shesterkin to cut the lead in half. Then with 40 seconds to go, Maxim Mammon gets his first NHL goal since April 8th, 2018. But again, it wasn't enough. Shesterkin shuts the door on the final chances, and the Cats lose their first game in regulation 4-3 to the New York Rangers Main takeaway in this one, defensive breakdowns were disastrous. Yes, the Panthers outshot the Rangers by a margin of 45 to 18, but the majority of that came from the third period where the, where the Rangers sat back and did next to nothing and just protected their lead. The second period was probably the worst they've played defensively this season. Way, way, way too many missed assignments. And trying to run it, trying the run and gun hockey just didn't work in this one. Shesterkin was a stud all night long and played great, but that doesn't mean they deserve to, this, to win this game. They did not get out goaltended. They played sloppy. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Uh, they, they were not victims of stellar goaltending. They, they shot themselves in the foot with their defensive play. And that's all you can say. And speaking of shooting yourself in the foot with your defensive play, Game 13 for the Panthers was in New Jersey uh, to take on the Devils. 
And honestly, you it's kind of good to go to a back-to-back game like this on the next night. You don't have time to dwell on that loss, but maybe they should have. Maybe they could have benefited from a little bit uh, more time to think about that game and maybe restructure some strategies there. Um, but the Devils, you know, they were in town to face the Devils. I've I've always had an irrational dislike for the Devils. Maybe it roots back to losing four straight games all the way back in in the year 2000. In the year 2000. Or maybe it was just seeing them be so much better than the Panthers for so goddamn long. Then they got worse. Then they got better again. But then they got worse. Well, they're getting good again. Only major lineup changes for this one for the Panthers. Sam Bennett back into the lineup after missing some time to injury. Mason Marchment subbing out with his own ailment. And Lucas Carlson subbing in for his first game as a Florida Panthers in the sixth defenseman spot. Spencer Knight surprisingly still in net despite Bob dressing as the backup. This is tough for the kid to play in back-to-back nights. It's never easy. Well, the aforementioned Sir Samuel of House Bennett makes his presence felt almost immediately as he comes in on a wraparound, wraps his own, gets his own rebound, didn't wrap it in, he just got it, <laughs> and slides it past Mackenzie Blackwood for the early one nothing Panthers lead. The teams exchange chances in the first before the Devils draw a power play on the Lucas Carlson penalty. On the ensuing power play, Jesper Bratt is wide open. Knight comes up to challenge him and he makes the save, but Andres Janssen is Johnny is Yanni on the spot, and he scores his fifth of the season to tie the game at one. Not even two minutes later, the Devils get another goal. This time, Nico Hishier, he redirects a Ty Smith shot in front and gets it past Spencer Knight for the late first period goal and the 2-1 Devils lead. Panthers come back with fire in the second, though. They won't go down easily. And for the second straight game, they get a goal in the first 30 seconds of a period as Alexander Barkov scores his 189th career NHL goal to tie the game at two. It's a nice little odd man rush where Verhage picks up his block shot, finds Barkov, who proceeds to bury the chance to sit alone atop the all-time record for goals scored by a Florida Panther, surpassing Ole Okunin with number 189. Barkov is the best Panthers captain in history. I know people love Mellonby. I know people love Scrudland. I know people love Jokinen. Some people even love McCabe. But there is no better captain on the ice, off the ice, than Alexander Barkov. A dominant player throughout his career. It's been a pleasure to watch him score all these 189 goals. It really has. Hopefully he can add to those playoff totals moving forward. But just 30 seconds after that, Anton Lindell, he sets up Sam Reinhardt, but bing, he smokes it off the goalpost. Can't tie the game. Or can't take the lead, sorry. Cats keep coming, though. Gustav Forsling throws the puck in front. Owen Tippett, and he tippets it right past Blackwood <laughs> uh, for the 3-2 lead. Now they take the lead. Whole new game for the Panthers. My goodness, they're back. But less than 30 seconds after that, so bang, 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 bang. Everything happened here at the start of the second period. The Devils come right back. Bit of a broken play here as Ekblad and Weger get tangled up trying to slow down the, De- the Devils. Janssen scores his second of the night on a nice pass from Dawson Mercer to tie the game at three. The second period is more Devils than anything. They they do well holding the Panthers off while still generating enough speed in the neutral zone to keep up their own scoring chances. Panthers had a lot of trouble keeping the Devils to the outside. They're a pretty fast team. Deceptively fast. I, I don't think you would look at their roster on paper and think, wow, this team can skate. 
but they can skate. Um, they kept up the pressure late in the second. This time, P.K. Subban is the beneficiary of a Dawson-Mercer pass. As he one-times a blast from the point, scores his first goal of the season, 4-3 Devils lead late in the second period. Now, remember how I said the wheels fell off of the Panthers in the second against the Rangers last game? Well, it was basically the same thing in the third period in this one. Pavel Zaka and Ty Smith score less than 30 seconds apart on two shots. Could have been three as they hit a goalpost between the two goals. Zaka's goal was the, was the team overcommitting while shorthanded and leaving the Devils to come back on a three-on-one. And Smith's goal was just a shot from the point that he got lucky in redirection and made it 6-3. to three. Devils ended up adding a score, uh, an empty netter to make the, uh, the scoreline even uglier. 7-3 final, second straight regulation loss for the Panthers. Main takeaway from this one, I mean, I saw a lot of people trying to blame Spencer Knight for these last two games, other than blaming and other than blaming interim head coach Andrew Brunette, because I saw a lot of that as well. And I don't think either is to blame at this point. Brunette has barely had this team long enough to make any sort of realistic influence, negative or positive. And, and Spencer Knight is a friggin' rookie. He's a rookie. Come on. Playing back-to-back games in one of the hardest road swings in the NHL. Regardless of how the Rangers and Devils are doing every year, it's never easy to come out with points in these two barns, especially in back-to-back nights. If you're blaming a rookie goalie because Ekblad and Weger once again had piss-poor games as a pairing or Brandon Montour decides to make another poor decision in his own zone, I don't know what to tell you. This team's problem is defense, and it's extremely glaring. Replacing Mandel with Montour was borderline lateral at this point. Because, yeah, Yandel sucks defensively, but he's better offensively. This team desperately needs at least one other body back there. And, honestly, Lucas Carlson was the team's best defenseman on this night. And, no, that's not a shot at Carlson because he did have a good game. But that should never be the case with the name the Cats have on their blue line. Unacceptable play from their defense in this game. Unacceptable. Cats back in action in uh, Game 14 in Pittsburgh to face the Penguins. Patrick Hornquist returns to his old stomping grounds where he won two cups with the Pens, so an emotional night for him. Only only major lineup change for the Cats in this one from the Devils game was Sergei Bobrovsky getting back in net. Looks to continue his six-game winning streak to start the year and come back strong at, from his short injury layoff. Lucas Carlson still holding on to that sixth defenseman position after a strong debut against the Devils, and Ryan Lomberg slots back in the lineup for Maxim Mammon as Burnett looks for some more energy from his bottom six. Panthers get a power play less than five minutes into this one, and Jonathan Huberto wastes no time as he rifles a puck on net, but rings it off the goalpost. So Huberto's goal streak continues. It's only like four or five games, but still, you want to see that man get goals, right? Hornquist was stopped on a rebound, but also hit a goalpost. But the Cats, they failed to take advantage of the extra man. Panthers really suffocating the Penguins in their own zone, skating hard and moving the puck well. Also moving their feet on odd man rushes, catching the Penguins on a couple of line changes. Vetrano, a very visible player throughout the first period, and honestly, all night in this one, he was maybe the Panthers' best forward, um, but not a lot to show for the effort despite outshooting the Pens 8-2 uh, at the midway point of the first period. Pens take this as a wake-up call. They come back from the TV timeout looking like a totally different squad. Now they're the ones creating all the pressure, and they do get rewarded for it. Chris Letang sweeps it in off his backhand uh, to an open Teddy Bluger. He finishes off the one-timer for the one nothing Penguins lead. Cats, they don't get discouraged, though, and they come back. Barkov and Verhage, they fail on their chances before Ball, Bob bails the boys out with a great save on a partial break from Jeff Carter. Now the number one center in Pittsburgh with all the injuries they're dealing with to Malkin and Crosby. 
Um, a sloppy line change, but the Panthers leads to another partial breakaway. This time, Jake Gensel is robbed by Bobrovsky to maintain the one-goal deficit. Bobrovsky continuing his play, his confident play, coming to chal- coming out and challenging both Carter and Gensel and coming up with big saves on both plays. Then Anton Lindell shows some more of that patience I talked about in the Carolina game, makes a sweet little tap play around the Penguins defender, finds himself on a 2-on-0 with Vetrano, and Vetrano finishes the pass from Lindell for, for his third of the season to tie the game at one huge goal for the Cats at this stage of the game. Penguins, they managed to stag a power play late in the first where Bobrovsky is tested again by Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter, this time on a nice backhand play and the subsequent rebound. But uh, Bob, literally keeping this team in it with his saves. Literally keeping them in it. People still want to blame goaltending when Bobrovsky is forced to make about five extremely high danger chances, including two breakaways. Come on, the issue is obvious and this first period highlighted even more. It's the defense. Yeah, Bob is making the saves, but that doesn't make it okay. A guy doesn't need to doesn't need to shouldn't have to play like a Vesna caliber goalie every year. We're not supposed to be the ninety eight Buffalo Sabres, right? Panthers really shutting down much better in the second period, though. They do kind of get the message. They play stronger defensively overall, while also generating some chances for themselves before all the hard work gets erased. As the Cats get caught on a terrible line change with Montour going to the bench, these line changes have got to improve. It's way too often this has happened this season where a bad line change results in this happening. Montour goes to the bench, forcing Gudis to race onto the ice, but, I mean, it's Radko Gudis. He can't race to anything. He's not a fast skater. Listen, he's solid back there at times, but he's not a skater, and Montour should have recognized this. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Really bad awareness. It's too late for Gudis to catch up. Rodriguez gets a wide-open breakaway, scores the goal for a 2-1 lead with just two minutes to go in the second period. Real momentum shift here in... Just not what you want to see. Cats start the third on the power play after Anton Lindell draws a penalty late in the second period, but they fail to get anything substantial. But that's just A-OK because the top line gets back out there after the power play. Carter Verhage finds El Capitano Barkov in the slot. He proceeds to snipe a Brian Holzinger right over Jari's glove to tie the game at two. The captain and his crew manage to tie the game with plenty of time left on the clock. They get it done again. Barkov is just... Dominant this season. Dominant. But the rest of the team, not so much. Panthers, they're trying the damnedest in this game to take the lead, but Tristan Jari makes some really clutch saves. Jari looking much better this season than he did last season, and I'm sure the Penguins are very happy about that. The Pens did push back, but Bob also there to answer the call. With five minutes to go in the the top line, they go to work again. Verhage at the end of the shift finds Duclair streaking in the slot. Cardi V makes a pretty little pass on Duclair's stick, and he slaps it past Jari for the 3-2 lead. Or does he? Well, yes, he does. But does the goal count? Because you know when I ask that, it's going to be a review. Pens quickly call for the coach's challenge, and upon review, the replay, we see that Barkov just failed to keep the puck in the zone moments before the goal. It was only an inch or two max past the blue line, but... There was white ice between the puck and the blue line, so it was clearly conclusive. More than enough for the Zebras to call the goal back and keep the game tied. No goal lights. Um, the no goal lights a fire under the ass of the Penguins, but they uh, they start playing real hard, trying to get a goal of their own. But the Panthers, they are there to match their energy. The game really opens up for the last couple of minutes as both teams push for that regulation win. But the second time this season, the Panthers and Penguins will go to overtime. Overtime is, of course, overtime. 
Tons of chances at both ends, but uh, things settle down with 90 seconds to go as Jake Gensel runs over Bobrovsky at the top of his crease and manages to only get a two-minute minor for goalie interference. He basically came off the bench and skated at Bobrovsky, not intentionally, but he skated towards him with momentum and took Bobrovsky out. This is two games or three games, whatever it was, after Lomberg got a five-minute major for anti-Ranta going on a goddamn adventure out of his own net, 30, 20 feet out of his crease. Bob was at the top of his crease. Gensel nailed him with his knee to the head. It's fucking bullshit. Completely. Like, the officiating in this league is embarrassing. And this is a clear indicator of that. If you're watching these games, I mean, you already know. Pardon my French earlier, but it is what it is, right? Panthers got a ton of chances on the power play, uh, but they just weren't decisive enough to make a great decision. And the game goes to a shootout. Hubro scores on his chance after Barkov is stopped. Hornquist, he got a chance to win it in his old home, but he shoots it right into Jari. Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter, proceeds to score in the extra round. And Anton Lindell, in his first shootout attempt of his NHL career, he just beats Jari through the five-hole, but he doesn't beat the goalpost. It just pings off and out. Penguins win 3-2. Main takeaway of this one, one of those nights... I think the Panthers had some great chances. Uh, they they thought they might have it late with the Duclair goal, but they didn't get it. I don't think coaching to blame. Definitely can't blame Bob for this one. He was the reason it wasn't 5-2. to two. And again, the holes in the defense are ever more glaring every single game. Coach Q leaving the team is nothing but a convenient excuse for this group of guys right now. And that's... They just aren't getting it done right now. Forsling looked exhausted all game, and I think Weger and Ekblad should be split up. I really do. Uyghur did so well with forcing down the stretch last season, and I believe the combination of both X and Uyghurs is just too slow on the ice right now. Neither is the strongest skater, and they suffer for it at times. Mixing up the pairings might help breed some new life into this defense, but I I still believe a personnel addition is required. I really believe that they need one more guy back there. Game 15 in Tampa Bay. Basically, no lineup changes for the Panthers ahead of this one. 19th meeting between these squads in the calendar year. That is a lot of hockey between two teams. Brunette, I guess he liked what he saw from his group in Pittsburgh on Thursday and likes to go with the same selections for this one. First period starts with a lot of pressure from Tampa Bay, but uh, Bob is ready to go early to start the game before Anthony Duclair gets stopped by his own breakaway that Vasilevsky manages to make look easy, which I feel like he makes almost everything look easy. Uyghur takes an interference penalty on his, in his own zone, and on the ensuing power play, Pat Maroon stands in front of the net and taps in the pass from Ross Colton for the one nothing lead. Kudis caught trying to cover two players, including Maroon, in front. If you watch Anton Lindell here, he's sort of just wavers around the top of the Panthers' blue line, doesn't notice Corey Perry in the slot. Gudis is forced to adjust and try and cover both players, resulting in Maroon getting the easy tap-in. There will be growing pains with rookies, and this goal is a clear example of that. Bolts end up carrying the one-goal lead into the second, and Patrick Hornquist takes it upon himself to try and get something going for the Panthers by starting a fight with Braden Point. One of the better tussles I've seen from the Panthers in recent memory. Pretty even fight, too. Really, really good little brawl between these guys. Unfortunately, it does not have the desired results that Hornquist had because the Panthers, uh, they, uh, they give up another one. Victor Hedman picks up the puck on the deflected pass that probably couldn't have been a better play for him. Real nice little fortuitous pass for him. Bob is forced to stretch all the way across his goal, but he can't make it in time. And Hedman scores just his second goal of the season. Puts his group up 2-0. Brunette has seen enough 
of the line pairings at this point. He starts to switch up things, and it seems to work a little bit. Huberdeau takes a light pass from Barkov as they have been reunited on the line, and uh, he takes a hard, Barkov takes a hard hit on the sideboards to make the play, but Hubi makes a sweet little move to the slot, gets around the defender, and snipes it over Vasilevsky's glove to cut the lead in half. Watch this goal from Huberdeau. He makes a nice little pivot play on the ice and just rips it over Vasilevsky. Really sweet little play. Very, very nice. Cats keep coming as only 30 seconds later, the new line of Tippett, Louis Starnin, and Lomberg, they make their presence felt as Ekblad one times a pass from the point. And Etu Louis Starnin, another goal. He's there once again, deflects his fifth goal of the season. Lua has got all the tips this season, and the Cats are right back in this one. But the Bolts, they come back with vengeance. But you know what? Bob is there to bail out the boys again. Makes a couple of key saves down the stretch in the second period, and the, allowing the third period to start with much of the same from Gudis and Forsling, unfortunately, as they really, really struggle out there to maintain any sort of calm in their own zone. Tampa is attacking this pair with everything that they have and because they smell blood. Like sharks in the water, they smell blood. It's probably the this pairing's worst game of the season. I would say. Cats bring their own pressure, though, and we've got a good old-fashioned Russian goalie standoff because Vazzy is there for save for save with Bob as the two teams head to overtime to determine a winner. Cats were 3-0 and in OT going into this one. 0-2 in the shootout. Best chance for the Cats goes to Aaron Ekblad when Jonathan Huberto floats a beautiful little pass on a 3-on-2, but Vasilevsky makes the his best save of the night by absolutely robbing Aaron Ekblad with the glove. Damn, this guy is good. He is so damn good. But Bob, Bob is also great. Like, he played just as good of a game. Just a minute later, though, Carter Verhege loses the puck in his own zone. The Bolts pick it up, and Andre Palat sends a screamer of a pass to Braden Point, who is well past anyone in a Panthers uniform. He makes the move to the backhand, beats Bobrovsky. Bolts win 3-2, four straight losses for the Panthers. They finish their road trip 0-2-2. Disappointing to say the least. Main takeaway in this one was just not getting it done offensively. Defensively, they weren't bad. It wasn't as bad as the the Penguins game and the uh, the Devils and Rangers games. But now the offense seems to have taken a break. I I don't know what's happening. Barkov cannot score every game. It was nice to see Huberto get back on the score sheet in this one. But the bottom six needs to continue to get it done. Add to his scoring goals as well. But I. You'd like to see some more some more uh, offense from Verhage. He's only got a few goals this season. Owen Tippett also not scoring that much. Reinhardt, you'd like to see some more goals. It's it's Bennett's offense has kind of dwindled a bit. And, you know, he was coming back from injury, so you don't want to be too hard on the guy. But team needs offense right now. They really do. And they got it. Panthers finally back home in Sunrise for Game 16 of the season. After an awful winless road trip, they're set to face the Islanders for the second time of the year. Both teams on losing streaks coming into this one, so something's got to give for somebody, right? Lines remain relatively unchanged from the Tampa loss on Saturday night, including interim head coach Andrew Burnett's line shakeup from that game with uh, Duclair playing with Uberdo and Barkov, Verhage on the second line with Bennett and Reinhardt, Vetrano with Tippett and Lundell, and Louis Starr in centering Lomberg and Hornquist on the fourth line. Kevin Connaughton does get back into the lineup for this one as Lucas Carlson takes his seat. A little questionable move in my personal opinion as I like what I saw from Carlson in his first few games. But I get it. Giving Connaughton some nice time, keep him keep him fresh. I understand. Bobrovsky back in net as a defensive pairing stay the same beyond the Connaughton sub-in. Islanders, 
They're struggling a bit in this season, uh, come, going into this one, sitting at 5-5-2 five, five and two for the year. Three-game losing streak ahead of it, uh, ahead of tonight. They're struggling to score goals. Second last in that category in the league, and not not great right now. A lot of guys having bad starts to their seasons and maybe you know worse starts to their careers uh, in terms of a season. But they are second in goals against. So Barry Trotz's team, although not scoring a lot, also not giving up a lot. Kind of Islanders hockey in the way it's been for a long time, right? Um, Panthers get called for slashing early on in this one. Cardi V goes to the box. Panthers do manage to kill it off, and not long after the penalty expires, Barkov breaks into the zone with Duclair. He finds him streaking down the left side. Duke sends it in front, and Jonathan Huberdeau is Jonathan on the spot to slam it home for his fifth goal of the season. The huge penalty kill, ton of block shots, lots of sticks in the lanes. They were all over the aisles in this penalty kill. It kind of set the tempo for the Panthers and allowed them to come back, get this first goal, and, and, and take advantage and have that early lead. Uh, Isles did do their best to congest the neutral zone after that goal, slow the Panthers down a bit. It was working for a little bit, but the Cats still managed to dominate the the, uh, the early first period with an 8-1 to one shot advantage. At one point, the Isles do storm back with seven of the next eight shots, but Bob is there to uh, hold them off and maintain the Isles' anemic offense, at least statistically. Fourth line does get out there with just over five minutes left. They generate a ton of pressure in the Isles zone, keeping the puck in multiple times before Brandon Montour throws a backhander towards the net. Hornquist gets a stick on it to bounce out in front, uh, allows the puck to bounce out in front to Ryan Lomberg, and he scores his first goal of the season, puts the Panthers up two. It was great pressure on this play by this fourth line. They skated their asses off for the entire full shift, so you know it felt good to get that goal at the end of it. It always does. Less than two minutes later, Verhege breaks into the, zone, into the zone. He gets around Adam Pellich. He sets up Montoro, who gets robbed by Ilya Sorokin. But Verhege's a little sneaky. He gets around behind the net, picks up the loose puck, and scores his fourth goal of the season. 3 nothing Panthers. We aren't done yet, folks. Just like this, this episode started, this episode is going to end with a four-goal first period. Luo Starnin forces a turnover in the Isles zone. Patrick Hornkov picks up the loose puck. He finds a tiny, the tiniest little sliver of, of space above Sorokin's shoulder, places the puck exactly in that spot, scores his second goal of the season. Sorokin definitely wanted that one back. Not a pretty goal for him to give up, especially after giving up three already in the period. But a nice shot by Horny. First period ends with that 4 nothing advantage for the Panthers. Like It's like that road trip never happened, baby. Second period starts and oh, It's not good. Cats get possession off the puck, uh, of the puck uh, a couple of minutes into the stanza. Barkov, he takes the pass and moves into the aisle zone. Scott Mayfield comes in for the hit, sticks his leg out a bit. It catches Barkov on the knee. And Barkov goes down very hard, very, very hard and awkwardly. I'm not sure if Mayfield intended to hit Barkov in this way with his knee. But the officials did say he did, and they gave Mayfield a five-minute major and a game misconduct. Barkov goes to the breast dressing room, and uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was intentional. It's really tough to say. Kind of looked like Mayfield was going for the hit, but it, at another angle, it also looked like he stuck his leg out a bit. I don't know if he'll face a suspension. I think he might just because, you know, NHL dynamics. Barkov's a star. Mayfield's not. If he's out for a prolonged period of time, I don't know. Really curious to see what the diagnosis is. Barkov did not return in this game. I'm not trying to be a spoiler, but he did not come back. So, um, 
not great. The resulting power play was, uh, ended up with nothing for the Panthers, as uh, myself and all you Panthers fans sit on pins and needles waiting to hear anything about Barkov after this game. Um, with just over five to go in the second period, though, Ekblad finds Weger across the blue line. The ice opens up for Ekblad. Weger finds him right back. Ekblad winds up and blasts it past Semyon Varmalov, who took over the net from Ilya Sorokin to start the second period. Five nothing Panthers on Ekblad's fifth goal of the season. Dominant performance continues for the Cats offensively. I say that word specifically, offensively. Isles come back down the ice. Paul, Kyle Palmieri gets around Connaughton and just outweights Bobrovsky, who was way out of his crease to challenge the play. Palmieri shows off his shot by picking the corner. Short side cuts the lead to four goals. The third period starts a little feisty as uh, Gudis drops Brock Nelson with a really big hit. And Kyle Palmieri uh, takes exception to that. He jumps in. Starts the fight with Gudas, the two tussle, but Palmieri gets the extra two minutes for instigating. Nothing comes from the power play as the Isles try to pepper Bobrovsky to try and cut the lead some more. But Bob is there to bail out the defense and keep the game out of reach. Late in the third, Vetrano stole a puck, steals a puck from the uh, Islanders' blue line. He scores his fourth goal in seven games after he walks in on Sorok- on um, Verlamov and beats him. I mean, every single line got a goal in the pan- for the Panthers in this one. Nice 6-1 win coming back from a tough road trip. Cats improve 8-8-0-0 to at home. But the story in this one is Alexander Barkov and whether or not his injury is, is going to cause him to miss a significant amount of time. You know, myself and everyone, we're all hoping it's not. So fingers crossed over the news cycle over the next couple of days. Uh, seven of the next games, next eight games for the Panthers are at home, so hopefully they can build off this momentum from the Islanders' win. The Devils are coming to town next, as well as the Flyers with a trip to Washington in between the home games. And if they are without Barkov for an extended period of time, those games will not be easy. Those are some pretty decent hockey teams that they're about to face. And to be honest, I, as far as the four-game losing streak, I don't know how much you can blame Andrew Brunette for it. A lot of I saw a lot of people talking about this online and throwing the blame game around. The team just hasn't, they haven't, they haven't played terribly. They just haven't really been getting the results outside of the game tonight against the Isles. Defensively, they are struggling. Don't look at this Isles game as an indicator because their offense is borderline non-existent at this stage. The Isles are terrible. They cannot score goals. Kyle Kyle Palmieri, who was supposed to be one of their best goal scorers this year, scored his first goal of the season in this one, in game 13. Bob was still forced to make a lot of key saves. Isles did not lay down and die, and Bob made some good stops, but the defense wasn't exactly shutting things down in front of him. I maintain firmly that this group desperately needs help on the back end. Throughout the last couple of weeks, we've seen every pair struggle. Ekblad and Uyghur failing to be the top pairing the team needs them to be, and forcing Gudis getting dominated at times and just not being able to play well together. I'm not sure if that's Gudis regressing or, or what, but Forcing also doesn't look as strong in his own end as he did last year. At times in the Tampa series last season, Forsling was by far the team's best defender. Personally, I'd like to see the defensive pairing switched up, but Forsling back with Uyghur, you know, give them that mojo from last season, seeing if they can get that back. Uh, Ekblad, I mean, maybe give him Lucas Carlson. I, I don't know. I know that's pretty far down the depth chart, but he's Luke Carlson played well in the first few games, and honestly, I don't see Montour or Gudis being good enough to log those kinds of minutes. Maybe Carlson isn't either. He might not be at the snuff, but I say give him a shot and maybe he'll flourish. Or, honestly, you go out and get someone else because I don't think that this is enough personnel. Nudivara obviously has not grown into the player that we may have hoped he would be. There really aren't other options. Kevin Connaughton is what Kevin Connaughton is, a serviceable 
seventh defenseman, really. I I don't know what the plan here is for Zito and company on the defense. And also, I can't give the floor cut, cut the forwards any slack. Defensive responsibility falls on the whole team, and I can't really say the forwards have been carrying their uh, their fair share of the load. As far as the coaching position, I'm I'm curious to see what Zito has in mind. It does seem like Andrew Brunette just might not be the coach for this group right now. Again, I say that very gently. I don't know for sure. I haven't really seen any adjustments throughout games from, from him, but in the Tampa game, he did try at least switching the lines, and they did seem to work somewhat well into the Islanders game tonight. But to be honest, none of us are in the locker room. We're not there. We don't we don't see the everyday happenings. The results definitely aren't there, but the team may be turning it around after this Islanders game. I don't know for sure. It's just been it's only one game. It was a four game losing streak. And listen, hockey season's long. Four game losing streaks do happen. I'm not, you know, pushing the panic button by any means right now, but their defense is struggling. This group is having similar defensive issues when, as when Coach Q was still with the team. And they, they were masked by the explosive start from the offense along with Bob's Vesna caliber goaltending. I, I don't expect some new coach to come in after Brunette and this team suddenly goes on, on another game, another nine-game winning streak. It's just extremely unlikely. Their, their special teams have also fallen out of the top 10 league-wide with their PK being in the bottom half of the league and dropping almost every game short of this game against the Isles. As you can see, there there's some problems with this team, and they're starting to come out, and they will come out over the course of a season. They'll continue to. I think it still harps back to their lack of ability to cover the front of the net. Teams beat the Cats on the scramble in front almost all the time. Clearing pucks from the front of the net is important. They were getting better at it at some point. You know, I mentioned it earlier in this podcast. They... they there was noticeable improvement on that front, but as these games progressed throughout the last few last couple of weeks, they fell into old habits, and those old habits are going to be harder and harder to kill as the season progresses if you don't attend to them quickly. Can a coaching change fix this? Maybe. Maybe it will, but I'm a firm believer that the problems are a little bit deeper than just a coaching staff issue and more rooted in the personnel and the guys we have on the ice right now and, and the, the group that we've put together on our defensive side. But that's going to do it for me this week. Thank you again for listening to Project Panthers. As I mentioned earlier, the Cats have got the New Jersey Devils coming to town on Thursday. Really hope that they take this homestand as a chance to turn things around, build on the win from the Islanders, and get some solid ground underneath them. The Leafs are playing really, really well, and all of a sudden the Atlantic Division doesn't seem like such a lock as it did a couple of weeks ago. The Lightning, they're only going to get better when Kucherov returns in Boston. Well, Boston is Boston, and, and honestly, Detroit doesn't seem like that much of a scrub team this year either. Ah, it's it's going to be a crapshoot as we go down the stretch. And it's it's only game 16, so we got a long way to go, folks. So buckle up. Thank you once again for listening. I am Brunswick. This has been Project Panthers. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and anywhere else in the world, on the World Wide Web that you find us. Go, Cats, go. You have yourself a week. Go, Cats, go.